a lot of people are giving away, it used to be eBooks and eBooks have kind of gone away because they sound like work. And now it's things like quick wins, right? Short, quick wins that get a result. And I love that idea. But the thing is when they're in a PDF form, it's really hard to convey your personality, your expertise, or get people to engage with any emails beyond that one delivery email where they say, here's the download link to go get your thing. Welcome to Fascinating Entrepreneurs. How do people end up becoming an entrepreneur? How do they scale and grow their businesses? How do they plan for profit? Are they in it for life or are they building to exit? These and a myriad of other topics will be discussed to pull back the veil on the wizardry of successful and fascinating entrepreneurs. I've written a book, a memoir, Well, really, a business memoir that follows me through my challenging life in Des Moines, Iowa, with all the twists and turns and inflection points to current day pandemic time. It will be published this year, so please go to natashamiller.co and sign up on my mailing list so you're the first to know when it's available. I'm also forming a launch team, so in case you'd like to be involved, I'll send you details about that too. Glenn Allen is a multi-instrumental musician turned digital marketing and business consultant. He's helped CEOs and service-based consultants delegate and manage their digital course launches. I met Glenn when he was looking for beta testers for his Golden Lead Magnet mini course and was really impressed with this approach, content, and background. I talked to Glenn about his transition from music to business consultant and what he's going to focus on this year to get ahead. Now let's get right into it. There was always a sense of, I want something more. And I went through this period of redefining what's possible for my life when I was maybe 30. So I'd have to say when I turned 30, I'm 40 now. I think turning 30 really makes everybody kind of rethink their life. And I was working as a musician and teaching on the side. And so I had a minor entrepreneurial spirit running my own teaching thing, but I really wanted to scale it into something bigger. And that's when I started my first YouTube channel to teach people songwriting and things like that. That got me on my journey right about then because it failed terribly and I learned everything that I was doing wrong. I had to learn how to do it the right way. Certainly teaching. This is so great that you're saying this because being a musician and teaching music really is a sort of entrepreneurship. I think you can talk about entrepreneurship in lots of different ways. But as a musician, you have to learn how to book yourself and manage yourself and teach to fill in, or maybe you're teaching because you like it. But a lot of musicians teach because they have to, right? Make their ends meet. So the reason I asked this question is because I want to know if people feel like entrepreneurship is something that you're a trait that you're born with, the ability to do that, or if it's something that you can learn or grow into. What's your feeling on that? I believe in the myth of talent. And I feel like anybody to a certain degree can learn or adapt just about anything. Now, they might have some innate natural proclivities. Like for me, I come from a musical background. And so I get this question a lot with music. It's like, are you born with it? Or is it nurture? Or what is it? And the thing is like, sure, maybe I had the environment that created it. Maybe it was my blood, blah, blah, blah. The thing is, there's a certain level where I only got this far. And then other people started shooting past me because they put in the work and they studied and they started learning. And I thought, oh crap, I better catch up. And that same thing applies to entrepreneurship. I really believe that it's never too late. I have a client who just pivoted, I think he's in his 70s, and just learned how to edit and create film, create a digital course, and he's working with me to market. Like That's not a 
thing that he's always wanted to do. And it's not a thing that he was born with. You just gain the skills you need and learn as you go. So the next question I have for you is, did the Berkeley School of Music prepare you for your current work as a digital marketing and business consultant? <laughs> no. <laughs> and not laughing at you, I'm laughing at how funny it is that the marketing world has changed so much. So I studied performance and engineering and mostly music business marketing. And at that time, if you remember, well, let me tell you which time this was. This is 2000, 2001, 1999, somewhere in there. Napster was new to the scene. If anybody remembers Napster, people were able to pirate music for free and stream it using mp3s and that was so new and so many musicians were so for it it's like let's give away free content to get people to our paid contents which were merchandise and other things like that and so some people really adapted this online entrepreneur spirit right away 20 21 years ago and some people like metallica notoriously uh, were curmudgeons about it and sued napster and we didn't know which way that the music industry was going to go and so all my marketing knowledge from then started there, but a lot of that is just so obsolete. I went to other schools after that to study marketing and nothing I learned in college matters right now. I might've got some general concepts, how to write a marketing plan, which I never do. I never write marketing plans. I don't know anybody that does either. It's usually like, this is my idea. I'm going to do it. Here's my plans. Here's my goals. You know, you might write some things down, but it's not that formal thing they teach you in college, right? Everything that I use in my business and in my life as an entrepreneur has come through experience of doing and or buying an online course because they're so relevant in, in the moment. Especially now, things are changing so quickly. You need to be on it or you're left in the dust. Absolutely. How did you make the transition from musician and teacher to full-time digital marketing, the person and the profession that you are now? I hinted at this a little bit, but basically... I didn't realize what I was doing when I was teaching. I play a lot of instruments and I had students for just about every instrument. And I got to the point where I was overbooked. And even though I've had lots of teachers, I was teaching things that were kind of unique and picking from the best ones and shedding kind of the worst ones. And I'd kind of developed more or less a mindset coaching around music, which is why I think my students were getting such amazing results. It wasn't just like, here's how you play notes. It was really like, you think you're too old. Here's why you're not too old. Just like reworking their mindset around those things. And getting to a point where I couldn't scale any further, working in a music store where they're taking most of my money and getting to a point where I was like 40 plus hours in a eight by 10 room, I thought, okay, I need to do something to scale this and get this to the masses. So I created a YouTube channel called I Am An Orchestra and did music tutorials and uh, eventually created a mini course and an ebook and it failed. It wasn't terrible, but I think I sold $70 worth of ebooks for a $7 ebook. Like, ooh, sold 10. But what it did for me was it got me really obsessed about how to create funnels and email automations and marketing and positioning and writing copy and creating websites and things like that. And my friends and acquaintances got interested in what I was doing with the channel and how I was getting people into an email list. And it got me freelance work. And I just, while working a day job, was doing that freelancing and buying more and more and more digital courses. I've bought probably tens of thousands of dollars worth already. And eventually it helped me land an absolute dream job with a leadership development, coaching, consulting, and training firm where every type of marketing I'd ever learned how to do and always wanted to do, I got to do. So I was the blogger, the vlogger, I was producing courses, I was launching courses, I was doing all the graphic design and rebranding, email automations, everything, which was so fun. But the thing was, as much as this was a dream job, in the back of my mind, I'd always wanted to do my consulting of this kind of thing full-time have my own business. And so when COVID hit, I had to have that hard conversation when my hours dropped down 
with my mentor and my boss, who I think is one of the most fantastic people ever. And she just said, yeah, your upward trajectory is much higher on your own than it is with us right now. And basically gave me the blessing to leave. That's amazing that she did that. I love that. And I met you maybe five or six months ago, I think, online. I didn't realize you were sort of at the precipice of this changeover just right then. So right now, I'd love to know what you do now and who you help. This is the time to just lay it all out there. Most of the people that I work with have created a course. A lot of them, oddly enough, it's come full circle, are musicians who either would be out of a job. I worked with a woman who she was on tour with Elvis Costello, who's like my favorite songwriter of all time. And COVID hit and basically her job was just grounded. And so a mutual friend of ours, Michael Elsner, basically said, hey, I'm making a bunch of money teaching people how to do sync licensing. You should do a course about what you know how to do with EQing and making music sound professional. And she had something of a mailing list because she had an organization. She was teaching a little bit on the side too. But the thing is that audience, they couldn't benefit because they also had no work. And so we worked together and basically gave her a different audience. We said, let's pair you with Michael's audience who is making money. They're making money off of sync licensing. And so we're able to basically launch a course. So people like that, where they've got something and either like maybe their marketing is terrible, their positioning just isn't spot on. They don't know how to clearly convey like the benefit of what it is they offer. That's a lot of the work I do with them. And or they're just overwhelmed by just all the moving pieces of launching. I will work with them through all those steps. The strategy of how you should launch based on your business model, fixing all your like lead magnets and funnels and copy. And yeah, guiding people through the whole process and then partnering them with affiliate launch partners who might be able to catapult their launch into the next level. And then now also, I'm pivoting a little bit and adding a second service where I'm basically working with CEOs or businesses who have a team. And they can't manage all that themselves. Maybe they bought a course for their VAs or their team to watch, but they're just not getting it. So basically, I'm coming in there and just launch managing and saying, okay, these are the pieces. This is what needs to get done. You work on this, you work on that. That's interesting. I didn't know that you had gone over to that corporate side. So when I met you, you were launching a lead magnet into mini course course. And I love that. And those two words, by the way, aren't going to be familiar to everyone listening to this podcast. So let's talk about what a lead magnet is so that people aren't going, what the heck is that? Yeah. A lead magnet, otherwise known as an ethical bribe or freebie, or the outdated term might be white paper, is essentially some kind of giveaway, some kind of information or report or free guide that you offer to entice your ideal audience into joining your email list where you can then continue to add value to them and nurture them and eventually let them know about how great you are at whatever your area of expertise is and offer other services and products. And then you decided that the more effective lead magnet is to turn whatever lead magnet you may have, but primarily a PDF, into a consumable mini course. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. A lot of people who are hip to the idea of lead magnets are often making a couple of mistakes. One of them is whatever their freebie is, it might be concentrically related to their expertise, but it doesn't always translate well into what they're trying to offer on the back end through their email list. And so one of the things I realize is I've got to show people how to align those two things. And then the other thing is a lot of people are giving away it used to be ebooks and ebooks have kind of gone away because they sound like work. And now it's things like 
quick wins, right? Short, quick wins that get a result. And I love that idea. But the thing is, when they're in a PDF form, it's really hard to convey your personality, your expertise, or get people to engage with any emails beyond that one delivery email where they say, here's the download link to go get your thing. Because what happens is you might look up how to do something on Google. You find a couple thought leaders. They have a free guide or free cheat sheet or checklist, maybe a quiz or something. You do it and then you forget who that person was. Even if they put their bio and their picture on the actual PDF, it's kind of in one eye and out the other. It's not a saying, but the same kind of idea, right? (laughs) Just kind of forget about it. And so with some of my clients, I realized we've been doing this dripped out video approach to launching a course. And I thought we should do this on the front end with a lead magnet, where if you want to sell a course or something where you're shown as the kind of the face of your business, whether it's consulting or coaching, and it doesn't always have to be that way. It could be a podcaster. You really want to give people a taste of what you're like on the front end and let them engage with you multiple times because that creates this immediate rapport that gets reinforced day after day. So I basically created what I call the golden lead magnet. Align your topic with your service in a strategic way and then drip it out maybe three times over the week. And the other thing is like close the loop on a small burning pain they have that by doing so will open a loop that only your paid product or service can handle. And one of my favorite examples of this is if you're familiar with Stu McLaren, he has this course called Tribe. It teaches people how to build membership sites. His freebie is like, it teaches you this thing called the founding member script. Basically, it's a way in which you can gauge your email list and say, I'm about to have a business membership. And anybody wants to get on the ground floor, it's going to be this low price and you'll be grandfathered in for good. And so if you're interested, just simply send me a reply and say, yeah, I'm interested. And then you follow up with a link and have them pay. And so I tried this and I had paid subscribers for something I hadn't created yet. And it made me go, okay, great. He showed me how to solve the problem of how do I validate an idea, prove that people want this and get paid to create it. Now my good to have problem, that was my small loop problem. My big problem was now how the heck do I create a membership site? right? So I had to join his tribe membership in order to learn all that stuff. So closing the loop with your free stuff, opening a bigger good to have problem loop for them that your paid solution will solve. Great. I really loved coming into that world with you. And I was sort of a beta tester and really enjoyed it. And we'll be doing that as I've changed the scope of my course. I'm going to change, of course, the lead magnet. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. Number one, it's free. Number two, there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will also distribute your podcast for you so you can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can also make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. So what have you been doing since the world stopped? Like, what have you really been focusing on? Oh, wow. Since the world stopped. You know, what's interesting is I've been working a lot on relationships with people and just really networking like crazy. I've been meeting so many people like you and just learning about what they're doing and how I can connect to other people. In fact, I run this digital expert network or the DEN, I call it. It's a business mastermind of people that I wanted to get together that were all doing incredible things in the digital marketing world. And since doing that, it's a kind of a small group. 
And they're all like really close friends now. And I'm thinking, okay, how can I continue doing this? Not just with this one group, with more and more people and teaching other people how to really use those relationships, not use them like necessarily, yes, there will be an advantage, but for each other's growth, that whole rising tide raises all ships sort of mentality. And so that's been a really big focus of mine. And I actually track it on a spreadsheet, which is kind of nerdy, but I wanted to be methodical. And the other thing was I was realizing I was meeting so many people that I was forgetting some people. Like I have a podcast I'm on this Friday and I literally had to go to my list and go, who? Oh, right. You know, I had to check my notes because there's just so much interaction and activity right now. And I'm meeting so many people this way. Are you on Clubhouse often? I am not on Clubhouse a lot solely because I got stuff to do. (laughs) I will be there Friday running actually that digital expert night. We're going to move it from Zoom to Clubhouse and just do a joined, like a conjoined room where anybody can listen to us talk about digital marketing and things. Cool. I love Clubhouse. I'm not on it for 10 to 12 hours like a lot of people I know, but I've gotten a lot out of it. But yes, it can be distracting. So one of the questions that just came up in my mind, I didn't have it down to ask you, but you did a very bold thing in a recent email. Do you know what I'm talking about? I like to do things like that all the time. So you have to check my I mean, I I looked at that email and I was like, oh my God, geez, Louise, that was pretty intense. I mean, I liked the content, but you just straight out called out a very well-known digital marketer and ripped her page to shreds. I struggle with this one because she's sort of an idol for a lot of my email lists. And I know this because my clients have asked me to help them plan their websites and get it to look like this individual. And I even in a LinkedIn article promoting it almost tagged her. And then I took it off. I was like, this isn't the right way to go about this. And you know, it's somebody that I really think is great and have actually shared some of her content. And she's been nice enough or her admin has been nice enough to reply with a nice thank you and things like that. But I don't think they probably replied with a nice thank you for this one. I definitely don't think that she saw it. Oh, I would be surprised if it doesn't make her way to her. Anyway, I just wanted to say that like that bold move that really was very valid about what you were saying was pretty remarkable. And I don't think you were putting her in a, like, this is a bad person, but yeah, you got some chutzpah there. Uh, (laughs) So we're going to switch gears to your industry. And I ask this of almost everyone I interview is that, do you know what your industry benchmark for profit is? Oh, that is a great question. We, as course creators throw around, like you hear a lot of like five figure launch, six figure launch, that sort of thing. Which is great, but that doesn't say anything about Right. So the benchmark I'm looking for, like, I thought in the restaurant industry that 10% net income was the general sweet spot. And I'm thinking, God, that's so low. But then I interviewed Josh Copel and he's like, yeah, no, it's like between four and 6%. And I'm thinking, why would anyone do it? Of course, it's a passion thing and we want restaurant tours to keep opening restaurants. So, but in the digital marketing education world, what is that net profit that people are vying for? That's actually something that I've never heard anybody talk about. And what you hear when you're learning about creating a course is, oh, there's just like so little overhead, right? You basically just take your information, you film and record it. You don't have to hire a bunch of people. But the reality of it is there's a lot to it. You've got to learn or hire out for the pieces that you don't want to do, whether that's editing or that's the production of it. 
you have to have services like my favorite Kajabi, which is not the cheapest service in the world. And then there's consultants and coaches to help you through it. That said, if you get your pieces right and you really know your market, you can be very profitable. But I think there's a wide range of what people invest into this and what their overhead actually is versus right. you know what kind of profit margins they're seeing. Right. And where they find their talent and how are they full-time? Are they contract? Are they overseas? The one thing that comes to mind is Amy Porterfield just did a $9 million launch. Over 4,200 students. I was one of them at $2,000 a person, but she has a team of, I think, 18 or 20. I don't know if they're all full time, but before COVID, I had 12 people on my payroll and that was a million dollar payroll. I'm also in San Francisco. So, you know, yeah, the pay for employees back before COVID was astronomical. But I wonder about that. So I guess now the next question, since you don't know, and not everyone does, even Inc. 5000 members that I've interviewed don't know their industry benchmark. So what profit margin or actually net income, bottom line, percentage of revenue would make you swoon? Wow, that's a great question. I feel like I don't have enough knowledge of other industries benchmarks to know what would be outlandish for that answer. Well, I mean, you can look at where you're at currently and feel like, are you satisfied there? Are you like, oh my God, I can't believe it. It's so much or, oh, this could use some work. And if so, where do you want to go? And I guess how you would get there is another question. Yeah. Wow. You're putting me on the spot with a question that I should have thought about, but never have. It's good. You know why? Because anyone listening will be thinking about this. Oh, I don't know my industry benchmark and I'm not really paying attention to net profit percentage to revenue. I think when you get into the place where you have a bigger team, you have infrastructure, you have overhead, these things really start to matter. Okay, so we'll move on. What is the number one strategy you'll focus on this year to scale and grow your business? It's funny because it's number one, but they're both number one. It's twofold. There's two components to it. Number one for me personally, and it regards my business, is my mindset. Because there's like, definitely I have an avoidance behavior that looks great to a lot of people. They're like, wow, you just put in a new patio door set where that wall was and oh, new floors in your bathroom. It's like, yes, those were launches that I was supposed to be working on. I did launch, but I also have a new floor and a new three season room painted. And yeah, it's ridiculous. And so I'm starting to recognize these patterns of avoidance I have. They're healthy and they're getting things done around my home. My home's looking great. And luckily I'm not sabotaging myself, but there are definitely some head trash pieces that I'm working with. And what caused me to see this was I was noticing some of my clients, I could tell how successful they're going to be given that their business were pretty much the same level, same strategies. And yet one would go skyrocket and the other one would do, eh, okay. And it was all mindset. And so it started making me evaluate. And the other number one thing is I'm going to be growing my list as much as possible by doing things like leveraging Facebook groups and showing up as an expert and teaching to different groups, basically working with other people's platforms as much as I can, because that's what I tell my clients to do. And I need to listen to my own advice. Great. Yes, exactly. There's only so much time though in the day and you have three kids. Yes. Beautiful, wonderful kids. And you're single parenting like a crazy person during this COVID pandemic. They're playing the snow right now. They're being very good right now. Oh, that's great. 
So have you considered at this point of your new career, really, because that this is what it is, it's new, right? It's a new entity, solo, by yourself. I'm assuming you don't have employees, full-time employees. Is that correct? Right. Working with a VA, but that's it. I should ask you what your scaling and growing plan is, but of course, I'm going to ask you something that you probably, just based on where you're at, haven't really considered, but maybe you have. Have you thought about your exit plan? whether it be 10, 20 years or five years, build to sell, has that crossed your mind? 100%. So I mentioned Michael Elsner, who has this sync licensee program. He's a few years older than me and a really good friend of mine. And he's already got his Kajabi Millionaire pin for his course. He's already on that exit strategy right now. So I've been watching his whole process. In fact, tonight I'm going to be moderating for his final live launch. He's somebody who worked in the music industry, was touring with his heroes, Mr. Big, and then moved to doing film scoring. So he's like always had these ways of like exiting different things. He did like the film score for the Mandalorian season two trailer. You know, he's done things for like the voice, the travel channel, all kinds of things. So he's had like these successes. I've been watching him and then he'll leave them and go do the next thing and leave them and go do the next thing. And so I've been thinking about as I've been watching him leave behind this sync licensing program and throwing it on autopilot, what that's going to look like for me. And also what the next venture will be. And I want to get back to music. I actually want to do some sync licensing of my songs. And also my girlfriend and I have been talking a bit about getting into kind of boutique vacation rental sort of thing. We both have a thing for design and it's kind of what I've been doing to this house this whole time. And so I want to take all that and pour it into another business venture. I have a tip for you. In my DCA class, I met this really cool gal. Her name is Cooper Gillespie best name ever. And she has this amazing Airbnb sort of compound in Joshua Tree. So I will make that introduction. But I also wanted to say her name out loud on the podcast for people to be able to find her. Oh, please do. That sounds awesome. I wrote her name down too. Yeah, she's a musician. She's developing a course, but she already has this Airbnb mecca. It's really cool. So we're toward the end, and I just want to make sure that we got everything in that you wanted to talk about. Is there anything that we missed? I don't think so. No, you've asked some great questions. Cool. And you got me thinking. Glenn talked to us about the way to produce a high converting lead magnet, what works and doesn't work in website design, and his approach to helping course creators of all types. For more about him, go to the show notes where you're listening to this podcast now. I'm putting the finishing touches on a digital course for entrepreneurs to learn how to scale and grow their companies and find more profit in their current revenue. To download the free profit finder guide that I've created, and also to put yourself on the wait list for the course, go to natashamiller.co. For more information about me, go to my website, natashamiller.co. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you loved the show. If you did, please subscribe. Also, if you haven't done so yet, please leave a review where you're listening to this podcast now. I'm Natasha Miller, and you've been listening to Fascinating Entrepreneurs.